And in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. I don't know if you know this, but from the beginning of time, all creation and seraphims and cherubims and all created things have been doing this one thing collectively. They've been worshiping the king. And, and what we got to do for a few minutes together corporately this morning was musical worship. And we know that we present our bodies, like the scripture says, as a, holy, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is our spiritual act of worship. So we know that everything we do is worship. But for a few minutes to de- together today, we got to do what we were made for. See, we were made to worship. We were created to worship. You say, TJ, are, are you sure about that? Yeah, look, look all over creation. All the trees growing heavenward to declare the glory of God. The stars and galaxies beaming with the intricate details of God's craftsmanship. You look at a dog the way it acts when you come home after you've been gone all day. It worships you. And look at us. You, you put someone famous, even before we knew Christ, you put someone famous on a stage and something inside of us draws the cell phone or the lighter for the previous generations out of the pocket and you're just swaying, just lifting up songs together. Where did that come from? Where did it come from? We were created for this. We were made for this. See, we do a million other things with our lives and we get wrapped up in a million other little things and we carry out our responsibilities and our jobs and our lives and our families, but we were made to worship. We were created by the handiwork of God to give him glory and honor and worship and that wasn't even point one. That was just, I was free. We're gonna get back there in a minute. So let's pray together and then we'll get into the sermon. Father, thank you so much for your grace, and your goodness. God, thank you for your love for us and how you, God, your promises really do stand sure. Lord, you are a firm foundation that we can cast all of our lives on. And and God, you never fail and you're not sinking sand, Lord. You are sure, you are sound. So God, I pray today that you would give us a glimpse of your greatness and a glimpse of your glory, that you would stir our affections to believe, God, that you are who you say you are, and you'll do what you say in your scriptures you will do. God, you're the greatest of all time. There's none like you, there's never been any like you, and there will never be any like you. You are infinitely better than anything that we could experience in this world, so we pray desperately that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear open our hearts to receive today in the precious, precious name of Jesus. And everybody together said, amen. So we are closing out 2017 together today, and we are welcoming 2018. And regardless of what, uh, I kind of said this the other day in a in, a, in an Instagram post, I like to, to post inspirational things because some people read that kind of stuff. And and I was looking at my notes, actually getting ready to prepare for this sermon, and, and I looked at this blank page, and, and, and I saw line after line after line after line, and, and I realized why I love legal pads. 
And I, I was staring at this legal pad, and I, I always transfer. I'm just going to let you guys see into my sermon prep for a second. I, I, I scratch everything on a legal pad. Songs that I've written, poems, sermons. Um, yeah, I said poems. That wasn't a mistake. So I scratch all these down on a legal pad, and at some point I transform over to a Word document. But when I look at a Word document, it's just this blank square, this, this white emptiness. But when I, I look at a sheet of paper, it's line after line after line. And, and, and kind of in a moment when I was getting ready to, to, to stir over this sermon and, and put onto paper what God was already birthing in my heart, I thought, man, I know I love this. Because if I mess up on line one, I can just move to line two. And I mess up on line two, and I can move to, to line three. And when I was looking at that legal pad, I thought, man, this is grace. Because all of us have had a year that's just like a page, right? And we have line after line after line after line. And some of us have wasted those lines. If you look back over 2017, you could look at a few lines and think, man, I kind of wasted some lines. I could have been writing for the glory of God. I could have allowed God to, to be pinning my story. But there's a few lines that I've wasted. And there's a few lines that I'd like to skip and maybe have a redo. And there's even a few lines, man, that I want to cherish forever. This is the point in the year where we get to turn the page. This is the point of the year where we symbolically tonight will sing and, and, and watch, you know, cool stuff happen on TV and the same people say the same things and sing the same songs that they do every year. But if we allow God, might he stir in our hearts this desire to really turn the page, to really allow him to begin to write and rewrite our story. You say, TJ, why, where are you going with this? What are we talking about today? We were made for this. See, we are, are the canvas of God. We are, the Bible says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are his workmanship. So you and I were crafted by the Father. Our, our personalities and, and, and our eye color and our hair color and our skin tone and, 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 and then our, our race and nationality, where we come from and, and, and the destination of who we are, all of those things knit together by the glory of the Father. You were made by God. So hear me when I say this this morning. You have this deep, intrinsic, real, incredible value that you often forget. All throughout the year, we take a million different, chase a million different rabbits and take a million different roads. And it's inevitable at some point in our year, we all forget the reality that we were created by a God who loves us and is for us. His fingerprint is in our DNA. We were made for this. There's three things specifically. We were made by God, and, and we, we could stretch this out into a million different things, but there's three things that I want to give you today that we were made for. And I want us together to evaluate uh, the last year of our lives and really ask ourselves this question, okay, if we were made for this, if there's biblical evidence and a biblical foundation that we were made for certain things, am I engaging in those things or am I avoiding those things? So if you're taking notes, jot this down with me this morning. Community. Community. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and any that had any need. And day by day they were attending the temple together 
They were breaking bread in their homes and they received food and with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a, a snapshot of the New Testament church coming to life, being born in the pages of Scripture. And what we know for sure is that they were made for community. There was what was unique, one of the things that was unique about the New Testament church is where everyone else was fighting for power during that time and using whatever means necessary to show their power and, and to show their dominion and execute Christians and, 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 and genocide and kill whole people groups. The, the believers were setting aside all of their differences and coming together and saying, you don't have, I do have, let me sell so that we have. There was this idea of community and, and unity and this one heart and this one mind going in one direction. And that direction was the cross. They had been turned upside down. There's a cool little verse in the New Testament when it talks about the house of Jason. He said, those are, they are of those who are turning the world upside down. Because they were just being who they were created to be. They were walking in what they were made for. They were made for community. These Christ-centered relationships, this gospel-saturated relationship. See, where the gospel saturates something, pride eventually has to die. Jealousy has to die. Materialism has to die. Lust, all of these things. We begin to put these things in our lives to death so that the gospel might reign supreme. I wonder what it must have looked like to look around at, at men and women who were willing to give up their lives and, and they had this special unity, this deep community. They knew each other. They knew each other's faults. They knew each other's failures and they loved one another anyway. See, in the, the world that we live in, if we, we, don't, if we don't like someone else, we just, we'll go join another political party or start a new church or, or change our clique. Right? I mean, these guys were so devoted to the gospel, so saturated by the gospel, that they saw each other's differences. They saw into each other's brokenness, but they knew that there was a remedy in the gospel, so they would speak the gospel to each other. They would preach life to one another. And I'm going to ask you today, are you living out what you were made for? Are you in community? Are you in community? And you may be visiting this morning, you may be a part of another faith family, and I would encourage you to ask yourself the same question. Are you doing life with someone who will look you in the face and say, I love you and Christ loves you, so follow him. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in my life that I have a few guys who, who, if I'm acting like a moron, which I'm prone to do, you guys know that about me, they will look at me and say, TJ, listen, I know that God created you to be a man of integrity, a man of God, stop acting like a moron. Kind of acting like a moron. Usually at first I find some super spiritual reason to justify my actions, actually. That's how I usually roll it out, and then a week later I'll be repenting and crying. Community. That doesn't happen without community. See, sanctification doesn't happen without community because in our own minds, in our own hearts, our pride will tell us that we're just righteous enough. Our pride will tell us that we're just good enough. See, but real community and real accountability will look at us and remind us who we actually are, that we are created by King Jesus and we were created for more. So repent and believe. Be saturated in the gospel. Christ-centered relationships. This community is absolutely unique. And 
It's, it's, it's like no other organization or fraternity on the planet. Every other organization or fraternity you want to be a part of, you, you pay dues. You go through an initiation. You, there's some established set of rules that you walk through to gain acceptance by your peers. This is the one organism on the planet, this one community on the planet where Christ Jesus paid the dues for you. Your admittance is free. Your opportunity to walk into this family is absolutely free, purchased by the blood of Christ. Purchased by the blood of Christ. It's what makes us unique. It's what makes us different. Acts 4.32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, meaning they were willing to give up all for the glory of God and for their brothers and sisters in the family. Willing to lay down their lives so that the gospel might advance and so that their brothers and sisters around them might be encouraged. I challenge you, look in on your heart. Are you in community? Are you developing Christ-centered, cross-focused, gospel-saturated relationships? I pray, I pray that you would. I mean, we're going to get to the most important thing that we were, we were made for at the end of the talk today, but I want you to hear this. When all of us inevitably in our lives, we, we'll walk through hard time, we'll walk through difficulty, we'll walk through strain, and we're going to walk through suffering. It's not going to be our best Friday or our best day yet every day. There's going to be really hard times sometimes, and the thing that will get us through it, we'll cling to worship and we'll cling to the Word, and it will be our community. It'll be the faith family around you that you've invested in, have invested in you, who will pick you up and remind you who you are. On your worst day, they'll remind you that you were saved by a risen Lord. I dream community for you. I long for you to be invested in community. The, the unique things about them, I love Galatians. In the book of Galatians, it tells us that we should bear one another's burdens. In so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. The, the unique thing about the, the New Testament church, the early church, is that they weren't busy picking each other apart. They were busy pick, picking each other up. I'm going to say that again so that you could grab a hold of that and maybe even jot it down. When you look at the New Testament church, one of the things that are, is incredibly unique about them, they were walking in unity, they were sharing, they were bearing one another's burdens in such a way that they weren't busy picking each other apart, but they were busy picking each other up. And I don't know if it's the spirit of competition in, in the world that we live in and the spirit of pride that takes over us and takes over the church at times, but man, it is so easy sometimes to pick apart our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is easy to pick apart other, other denominations and other preaching styles and other pastors and other preachers and other churches and other believers that even sit across the room from us. It's easy to pick one another apart, but we're called to pick one another up. I wonder today if you would seek out, if you would invest in community to where you would love someone for who they are and just refuse to stumble over who they're not. All of us have a who they're not in our hearts, right? <laughs> oh, that we would love each other for who we are in Christ. I want to say this about our church before we move on. My dream for this place, and I believe we're a community, but man, I, I dream for this place that we are a place to belong. 
No matter what walk of life you come from, no matter what you've been through or currently going through or might go through, man, I want you to know and to feel that this place is a community and a family, and you belong here. And we love you. And we will walk through life with you. We love you. And more than that, we want you to be encouraged. This is a place to belong. This is a community to belong, but also a community to be encouraged. When you are at your lowest, know that you have brothers and sisters and pastors and preachers around you who will love to lift up your arms. See, we've been conditioned to hide our sin and our brokenness. Hear me when I say this. We want to cultivate a place to where we can confess those things so that we might move on and give God glory. Because we're all broken. So it makes the masterpiece, all those broken pieces of beauty. This is a place to belong, a place to be encouraged, and this is a place to be loved. I, I say it almost every Sunday when I wrap up. I say, I love you guys, but I mean that. I dream for you to be in community. I, I want you to know that you're loved. And, and more than just by ministers and, and, and Sunday school teachers and, and pastors, preachers, friends, your community, man, you're loved by God. You're loved by God. We were made for this. We were made for community, and we were also made for worship. I love the way the Westminster Shorter Catechism says it. It says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, a man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Not only were you made for community, you were made for worship. That your life, what's the Bible say, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let your life be worship. Let your job be worship. Let your parenting be worship. Let your relationship with your spouse and your friends, let it be worship. Because we are always worshiping. Worship is about ascribing worth and ascribing worth to where it belongs. Listen to Psalm 29, 1 through 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And at the center of worship is the worth of God. And God is worthy of our worship. So my prayer for you today is that you would engage in deep community and that you would endeavor to worship God with your life. Everything that you do would be worship. He is worthy because he is, was, and always will be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We worship God not because we gain from him or get from him, but because of who he is. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of honor. And you and I get to worship him. And we're not seraphims on a string conditioned to just repeat holy, holy, holy over and over. You and I are created human beings with the intricate details of our lives planned and purposed by the glory of God. And we get to join in on this eternal song. We get to join in on this echo from ages past. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I pray that as a husband, my life would scream holy, holy, holy. As a friend, my life would scream holy, holy, holy. As an employee, holy, holy, holy. As a leader, holy, holy, holy. I pray the same for you, that your life would scream holy, holy, holy. As the Lord God Almighty. We were made for community. We were made for worship. And we were made for the word. Now, I, I want you to hear this. The word of God and and. And as we walk into 2018, I wanted you to be reminded what we 
like our statement here at church, at home. This is what we believe. This would, our, our home at First Baptist, this is kind of hanging, hanging over the door. We believe the Bible is God's holy word, inspired by him, comprised under his authority and inerrant. We appeal to God's word itself for assurance and confirmation. And we look in on the word where it says, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings with which you were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. Listen, the Bible is our ultimate authority on life, the will of God, and his interaction with the world. We were made for the word. Maybe you can testify to that. There have been times in your life where you pick up the Bible and, and some verse grabs your heart or you're dealing with an issue and somehow someone just texts you on some random day that verse or maybe you dug into a devotion and man, it just something about it stirred up your heart. You were made for the word. See, we were made to be disciples. We were made to not be hearers of the word only, but to be doers of the word. We were made for this. The word's important in our lives, and, and I want you to hear this. I, I, I dream for you, like I said, I dream for you to have that community, to invest in, in accountability and, and just the family of our church and, and of your small groups. And if you don't have accountability partners, you don't have a small group, you don't have a Sunday school, listen, Go to our greeter desk, reach out, inquire, go to the website, find out, grab a hold of me or John. We would love to plug you in. Because we want you to have family, and we want you to worship, and we want you to know the word, because the word gives us life. More than anything else, the most important thing that you and I can do in the coming year is to dive into the word of God. Because the, the word of God convicts us. The Word of God encourages us. The Word of God does, in fact, remind us of who we are and who we were, we were created to be. The Word of God gives us life. Listen to this. I want to share a few verses with you. In Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, he taught me and said, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will keep you and love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Dig into my words. Listen, in 2018, get all of this that you can. If there's any getting being done, get this right here. Dive in head first. You were made for this. You will find out that when you begin to read, your heart begins to stir and to be moved by the words and by the promises, by the declarations, by the encouragement, by the hope and by the promise that is Christ Jesus the King. I mean, you will not find those things outside of his word. His word gives us life. His word gives us hope. I want to read you another scripture. I want you to hear this. Oh. Psalm 119, verses 114, says this. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. When the words of your friends won't do. We turn to this eternal promise, this hope. Your word gives me hope. His word gives us life. His word gives us hope. His word gives us direction. If we look just a few verses back at 104 and 105, 
Three, through your precepts, I, under, I gain understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lord, you will direct me. In your word, I'm going to find the way to walk. I'm going to find that hope that I need, that grace that I need. Man, that life that I need is right here in the word. And the last thing is that promise. See, all the Old Testament is this promise that God was going to send a Messiah. And this Messiah would repair the breach and allow God and man to have community and unity and union again. 2,000 years ago, God kept his promise. He sent Christ Jesus to the earth and he lived a life that we could never live and he died in our place. And what this is, this is an everyday reminder of the promise that we get to dig into. The promise that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he will be closer than a brother. My prayer for you is that you would develop community, that you would reach out for community. You find that accountability and that encouragement and that hope among friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would worship this year, that you would make this year about worship, that you would endeavor that your life, everything from you screams holy, 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 that you would plead with the Holy Spirit, do in my heart what I can't do for myself, and that you would make the word a priority. You would be reminded that you were made for this. You were made for community. You were made for the word. The word gives us all of this and more unparalleled confidence. You gain your confidence as a believer, as a son and daughter, and who you are and who you belong to by digging in the word. So that's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you today. So when you think about who you are, what, what, what am I put on this earth to do? What was I made for? You were made for this. You are made for community. You were made for worship. And you were made for the word. So dive in. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and for your goodness. God, we pray today that you would, God, that you would stir our hearts to community. God, that you would, by your grace, allow us to in, engage, that you would over, help us to overcome by the power of your spirit our insecurities or our pride. God, help us to, to seek out family, to seek out uh, Christ-centered, cross-focused relationships. Father, I pray for our, for our faith family that you would help us to worship this year. God, Lord, that not, not have that confined to a 30-minute uh, just kind of compartment, little box of music that we do together corporately once a week, but that our lives would begin to scream, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that our parenting and our, the way we love our families and the way we work on our jobs, the way we attend class, the way we play on our sports team, God, the way that we even act in our hobbies, God, Lord, that you would begin to use all of the things in our lives to scream your glory. That the echo from our existence would be holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Lord, remind us today that we were made for the word. That we find hope and we find confidence. We find assurance of your grace. Lord, we find our identity wrapped up in your word. So God, you're the great promise keeper. As we close out this year and we get ready for a new one, we pray that you help us turn the page. Help us to find community. Help us to worship. Speak your word over us in Jesus' name. Amen.